0: Good morning everyone. It's good to see all of you here this morning. I am Daniel Metcalf. If you are new to us and do not know me yet, one of the pastors here at Aboit. Pastor Chase is home today taking care of a sick family, so be in prayer for them. We have several families, as Pastor Brandon already alluded to, that have kind of been dealing with illnesses and so they are certainly not immune to that. And uh, so be praying for them as well as our other families that are affected. I'm going to be preaching from uh, the book of Acts chapter 10. If you want to go ahead and be turning there with us, I would invite you to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to call four readers to come up and read our passage for us this morning. But before I do, just to kind of set the stage, how many of you are familiar with Henry Blackaby and the Experiencing God study. Hands up. How many of you have done that study? Keep those hands up. Okay, very good. So my wife, Sarah, and I, when we were newlyweds, uh, we were serving at First Baptist Shady Grove, Adamsville, Alabama. Now, if any of us out in this listening audience watching over the Internet even have any idea where Adamsville, Alabama is, if you'll get in touch with me, I promise I'll take you out to lunch and we'll have a conversation about that. But that's where we were serving at the time and had a dear, wonderful, uh, precious time there, lots of great people, as are you. And in that time, we went through this study, Experiencing God. And just to kind of summarize what uh, Dr. Blackaby encourages through that time of study, the idea is that God is always actively working and that we as children of God, those who are born again believers in Christ, our role and responsibility, our focus ought to be on trying to perceive where God is actively working and join him in that work. One of the challenges of following Christ is just knowing what to do. And sometimes knowing what to do next. I don't know if any of you ever feel this way. But sometimes it's a challenge just to know, what does God want me to do in life? What does God want me to do this week? What does God want me to do today? You guys know, if you have been here at any length of time at Aboit Baptist, we have as a special focal statement for our church, the idea of living on mission for Jesus. Okay. Pastor Chase led us to even put that on t-shirts many of you have those t-shirts and if you're ever out in public the encouragement is to wear those t-shirts and right on the front it says living on mission for Jesus. My hope in today's message is to help answer the question and of course I'm the one proposing the question I don't know if you think this or not but my thought is how do I live on mission for Jesus? How do I live on mission for Jesus? So, we're going to have a little bit of a Black of being, if I can say that, Black of being feel to the message today because we're going to see how God is already actively working in our text in the lives of two men in particular, Peter and Cornelius. We're going to see how their lives intersect as God intended it to. We're going to see his work in each of their lives, drawing them together for his glory, his kingdom. So, I'm going to ask my four individuals, if they will, to come. This mic is still on, which is why I haven't been standing in front of it. Rachel, I believe, is our first reader. And so what we have represented in my four readers are four days of time. And the reason why I asked four people to come up and read the text, A, it's long. We're going to read the entire chapter of Acts chapter 10. B, I hope you find it helpful, those of you watching those of you here with us, to see a representation in a human being as one day's time, okay? Because I hope that you see this is not just some story. This is an actual historical account of something that truly happened many, many years ago, God actively at work in the lives of two separate men. And so every time a different person comes up to read, that represents a different day In time. Okay? So I'm going to turn it over to them. If you guys wouldn't mind just staying on stage until all four of you are done, and then you guys can go down.
1: There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision. In a vision, an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, staring at him in awe, he said, What is it, Lord? The angel told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, who was one of those who attended him, After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa.
2: The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to Peter and said to him, rise Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests.
1: The next day he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him.
3: And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. And then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask then, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree." Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who, has, who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and then they asked him to stay a few days.
0: Thank you so much, readers. Thank you, listeners. And thank you, God, for your word. May your Holy Spirit open our eyes to the truths contained in it this morning. That is my prayer. Now, I'm going to give you um, three observations from this text. Is this in a good spot? Okay. Um, Again, I want to remind us, the question that we're asking ourselves this morning, how do I live on Oops! not om. O-M, that doesn't spell on, on mission for Jesus. Now, you have to forgive my handwriting if that's non-legible to you. You can write it on your sheet so that it's legible to you. How do I live on mission? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give three observations from this text. I hope that you find them to be... Um, naturally there present readily available easy to see I hope that it doesn't come across as something I've contrived but is true to what the word says okay now in our text today we have Cornelius sending three men to go and retrieve Peter I want to give this disclaimer first because we're going to be looking at the lives of both Cornelius and Peter today but I want to make it clear when I'm asking the question, how do I live on mission for Jesus? I'm, I'm talking to the Peters in the group that is listening to me right now because you can't live on mission for Jesus unless you're one of his to start with. Make sense? Cornelius sent his three guys to go fetch Peter. He didn't go send strangers. They were his guys, two servants and a devout soldier. You don't go on mission for someone unless you're theirs. So my point is, I'm going to be speaking both to both groups here, because uh, I realize and recognize, as is the case probably everywhere and any time that the word is preached, that there are some out here and out here who might fall in the category of being a Peter. You might be someone who has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit You might be someone who is truly seeking to follow and honor God with your life. And if that's you, the question is, how do I live on mission for Jesus? And everything I'm going to write up here, I hope, helps fuel and further uh, answer that question. But if you're a Cornelius, good news for you, God has the ability to speak to you as well. In this message, all three points that I'm going to put up here will be relating also to Cornelius' life. However, Cornelius is not living on mission for Jesus yet. So I just want to make that disclaimer. Does that make sense? Nod, if you understood what I'm talking about. Shake if you didn't. Yep, this is the teacher in me. Okay. Enough of you did. So we're going on. This is what I do in my class too. If most everybody goes, I truck on. Okay? I'm going to trust that the rest of you will catch on in a little bit. My three words, and Brandon alluded in the fact of uh, Sunday school today that he's a musician, I'm a musician too. So I like to have things that make musical sense to me. The three words today rhyme. I'm hoping that helps you remember them. I don't know if it does. That part might be contrived on my part, but I hope that you find that the rest of it comes true from what the text says. Our first word, pray. How do I live on mission for Jesus? Pray. Now, as I said, these points are going to relate to both men. So if you'll go back and look at Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 2, I want you to see that Cornelius is a man of prayer. Scripture here describes him as a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, gave many alms to the Jewish people, and what, class? Prayed. Prayed to who? God. How often? Regularly continually my version says and then verse 3 goes on to explain about the ninth hour of the day so this must have been one of his regular times of prayer verse 2 tells us that he gave alms to the jewish people perhaps in his role as a centurion in this italian cohort which is like a battalion of soldiers he's over a hundred guys he's sort of like a captain if you will in this Roman army as it were. He's rubbed elbows somewhere along the way with some Jewish people and perhaps picked up some of their practices. That's speculation on my part, I don't know if it's true, but somehow or another, he's adopted a practice much like theirs of a regular, methodic time to pray. Let me tell you something. You can't go wrong, follower of God, with regular times of prayer. Now, is that to say you always have to pray at three in the afternoon? No, not necessarily. But I do want to encourage us to think about having regular times of prayer. Both of these men had that as part of their habits. I also want you to see in both cases, okay? So if I go on down into the text and I look at Peter's situation in verse 9, we see that he was up on the housetop at about the sixth hour to pray. So, lunchtime, noon, okay? Both men had regular times to pray. I also want you to see in both cases, both men listened to what God had to say. How many of you would be honest and confess with me that when we pray, 95% of the time is me talking to God? And maybe on a good day, I allot him 5% to talk back to me. Listening is crucial to being able to determine what God wants us to do and how we're to follow him. Now, don't hear me sit up here and say that if you'll do this, you're going to have an angelic visit who's going to follow you around and say, Gordon, I want you to do this today. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the only way we're going to have any idea what God wants us to do is to pray and in that prayer time to listen, to put ourselves in a position, a posture, if you will. And I'm not talking about kneeling or closing the eyes, although that can be part of it. I'm just talking about being in a place of readiness to hear What God has to say. And if I can add one other point to that, this is how we're going to know what God has to say. Pray in light of what He has already said. Read God's Word at a regular time. Open it up. Come before Him and allow Him to speak to you through that Word. Okay, I've made that point. We're moving on. By the way, you're going to notice today that I don't write the points out in a linear column fashion. And there's a reason for that. I'll explain that later. But I'm going to try to make them somewhat in a circle, if you will. So now I'm going to kind of draw an arrow around this way. And you're welcome to do that on your paper if you want. And the next point here is obey. So pray and obey. If you're back in Acts chapter 10 with me, look at verses 7 and 8. This is Cornelius, when the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants, a devout soldier. After explaining everything to them, verse 8, he sent them to Joppa. He immediately prepares his men in light of what God has told him to do, and he's obedient. Now, they don't go, if you remember my four readers, they don't leave out until the next morning, okay? This is prior to the days of email and texts. If you haven't caught on to that, Took a little preparation time. They probably had to gather some things, get ready for the journey, right? They didn't just tear out and go right then. But the obedience was immediate. The plan had been put into place. Action steps were taken. And that is a mark of obedience. Okay? I remind my students on a regular basis. Okay? If you want to honor me as your teacher, the greatest way you can honor me is doing what I say. Not just hearing what I say, (laughs) but doing what I say. In fact, in my music class, I have three rules. Rule number one, this also rhymes, by the way. You're part of my class now. Rule number one, have lots of fun. I want my students to have lots of fun in class. And I have some friends who do a really nice job of having lots of fun in my class. But you see, class, we have to balance rule number one with rule number two, which is Do what you should do. And rule number three is kind of a subset of rule number two, which is listen to me. And what I'm saying is, here's rule number three. We need to be listening to God. And then we need to be doing what he's told us to do. Cornelius did exactly what God had said, sent his men out to go retrieve Peter. Can I point out something else that I find fascinating here in this particular part of the text? I want you to note what he does not tell Cornelius to do. He does not say, Cornelius, I want you to go to Peter. Here's where Peter is. You go find Peter. Because to me, that's what makes the most sense. If, if, if I'm God, and you can all be grateful that I'm not God. But if I'm God, what makes sense to me is, over here's Cornelius. He needs salvation. Over here's Peter. Peter knows how to get salvation. Well, the quickest thing... Because again, this is before the days of speed trains or airplanes. It's going to take a little time to get Cornelius to Peter. And it's going to take even longer to get Peter to come back. So it makes sense to me, let's get Cornelius to go to Peter. Doesn't that make sense to you? Not if it makes sense to you. Yeah. God doesn't do it that way. And he has a reason for why he doesn't do it that way. And part of that reason is because he needs to do a work in Peter's heart. As well. If you're living on a mission for Jesus, don't become so self centered that you think the mission is whatever makes sense to you. Be willing to obey what God has said, and sometimes what God has said won't make sense. Tracking? Going on. All right, where in the world am I? Ah, here I am. I also want you to notice this. Peter, look at what Peter does. Part of what God has to do in his heart, this vision, this sheet comes down with all these animals. Get up, kill, and eat. No, Lord, I can't do that. I've never eaten anything unclean. Don't call anything unclean that I'm saying is clean. And you'll notice in verse 16, this vision happened how many times, class? Three times. Anytime anything happens three times in the Word of God, It is for emphasis sake. God is trying to get a point across to Peter. A point which many of us need (laughs) is to let go of whatever traditions and inhibitions we have to following God at whatever cost. Some of us want to count the cost first. You're looking at somebody who likes to know how the song ends before I dance. I don't know if you find that in your situation or not, but here's where I am. God is saying, You got a wrong way of thinking about things, Peter. Let me help you clarify a few things. Nothing's unclean that I've declared clean. And Peter finally gets it. If we skip ahead, and you've already heard the text, so this is no secret. If we skip ahead to the part where Peter is now talking in Cornelius' house in verse 34, he says, Ah, I now understand that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. This is what God was doing in Peter's heart, simultaneous with the call to Cornelius to send the guys to go get Peter. Peter needed a little preconditioning for his obedience. So God, in his patience, in his mercy, and in intimacy, in knowing his uh, friend Peter, he prepares him and even tells him directly when the men are downstairs looking for him in verses 19 and 20, he tells him, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and accompany them. How? Without misgivings is the way the new American standard reads it. However, your scripture says it. The point is he knows Peter's going to have a little <clears throat> difficulty here. You, you, you want me to go where? And to do what? And he says, without misgivings, obey. Okay? So, I also want you to note this. Both of these men, Cornelius and Peter, they obey God before, before they know and or understand all that the mission entails. They don't know how it's going to turn out. Here's another deal about living on mission for Jesus. You and I don't often get step number five. God says, go and do this. Step one. And you say, okay, but what, what's, uh, what's step number three, God? If you're like me, anyway, you do. And God says, here's step one. Go. Uh. Okay, uh, but can... Can we talk about this for a little bit? You, you want me to do what? Here's step one. Go. And I hope that you see, as we flesh this out some more, that when we obey is often when we get the next step. And then we obey the next step, and we get the next step. And then we look back and we go, oh, that's what he meant. Or, oh, that's what he was doing. Now, can I tell you, friends, can I step outside of this little precious little spot right here on this stage and just tell you that if I'm down here with you and I'm listening to me, (laughs) I might be prone to think that me up here has got this all figured out. No, I'm just trying to be honest with what the word says. So know that I too struggle with this very thing that I'm drawing on the board here. Okay. Having said that, moving on. The next point, um, Pray, obey, draw a little arrow, and right here is going to go relay, relay. Both men relay something in our text. Cornelius in verse 30, after Peter is in the house, relays what God has done in his life. Now, Peter is hearing this for the first time. He doesn't know. He, he got the word from the servants, but he wants to hear it from the man himself. What is going on in your life, Cornelius? And Cornelius says, four days ago, I saw this shiny dude. He showed up at my regular prayer time and he said to go send for you. And I don't know about you, Peter, but when a shiny dude shows up for me, I generally listened to him. So I sent those guys and they went and got you. He's relaying what God is doing in his life. Now listen to me. If you're a Cornelius out here, out there, this is an important step. If God is doing something in your life, the only way that you're going to come to be born again, is a phrase we would use in the church, is at some point you've got to relay your current situation to someone who is a believer and allow them to have the opportunity to share the gospel with you. And if you're a Peter out here, out here, the only way they're ever going to know it is if we relay what we have experienced. Relaying is crucial. Yes, much like my classroom rule number three of listen to me, technically goes in line with number two and could be wrapped up into number two, do what you should do. Relaying... Could be seen as obeying. It's an extension, it's a part of obeying. If you just said obey, then why do I, Daniel, why do I need relaying? I mean, if I pray and obey, but this is such a crucial part. And I use the word crucial at its root word. You know, crucial is the same root word as crucifix. The reason why anything is crucial is because it's that important. (laughs) If we don't relay the truth of the gospel, we've missed. The whole point of what we've been going after up until this point. Okay? So, we've got to relay. Cornelius relays. Here's what happened. Now, he said to bring you here. And we're all here to listen. What do you have to say to us? And now, in verses 34 to the end, we have Peter relaying the good news of Jesus. Again, friends, this is Daniel saying, I sometimes do this one less often do this one and less often do this one I don't know if you jive with that or not but that's just kind of where I am I just now realize I bet you guys can't see this thing over there at all can you I'm gonna scoot it up a little bit sorry Brian you have to move the camera I do this one really well sometimes this one less often and this one less often And so, if you find yourself to be like me, just know you're among friends. And if not, and you do all three of them well, rock on, keep doing it, because we'll eventually get the glimpse of it and hopefully catch on, which is what I hope we'll do in our text today. Okay, going on. If you're like me, and you're looking at Peter, and you see Acts chapter 10, and that's all you look at, you might be tempted to think, man. What an amazing guy. I could never do those things. But I want to encourage you that this little cycle in Peter's life is not new. If you go back a few chapters and you start reading through the account of what God did through Peter and the experiences, the miraculous things that took place in and through him to those around him, and every single time anybody would see a miracle happen in Peter's context and would approach him about it, he would always point back to God and say, yeah, no, that's not me. That's God doing that. And oh, by the way, Jesus is Lord. And he would share the gospel and tell what Jesus did. This Jesus whom you crucified, he would say to those religious people of his day. And he would always point back to Christ. He would relay the good news of Jesus. So what I hope you see is the reason why I drew it as sort of a circle, a wheel, is because what should happen in our lives is that this becomes a habit. Those of us who are Peters in the group should live on mission for Jesus in such a way by praying, obeying, and relaying the truth of the gospel, and it develops as a habit. It just becomes a part of who we are. And you know people who do this, don't you? You know people who live like this. And it's a beautiful thing. And Peter was one of those people. He just did these three points and let God get the glory. When the opportunity presented itself as it did in Cornelius' house, he relayed the truth and shared the truth of the gospel with those who would listen. And God, what I want us to see about this whole thing, what's so cool to me, going back to Blackaby, is that this whole thing is really God's work. Again, Peter always would point to God. So when I'm preaching this message today, I'm realizing that I'm having to sort of give it from man's perspective because the question is, how do I, how do you live on mission for Jesus? But we have to understand that it's God's work. Salvation, discipleship sanctification, holiness, righteousness, all those things are God's work. You and I can't do this as a manipulative thing to get God to do his work. That won't work. In fact, this is intended to be the exact opposite. I hope what you hear me say is that God is working in Cornelius's heart before he ever talks to Peter. He's preparing the ground, preparing the soil in Cornelius's life. He's preparing him for what he is going to do in his life he's called Cornelius to send to Peter he also then calls Peter and he's preparing Peter's heart to be willing to share and then he brings Peter and Cornelius together and their lives intersect and then we see when we get on down to the end of our text while Peter was still speaking these words in verse 44 the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message and all those that Cornelius had gathered, his family and his friends, they come to be in the same camp now that Peter was in. Now they are Christ's. Now they are his. Now they can begin living on mission for Jesus. And I have no doubt in my mind that Cornelius, considering what he had already shown us in this text, we don't have account of him after this point. But I have no doubt that he began living on mission for Jesus, and I'm sure influenced others to do the same. But what I want you to see is the whole thing is God's work. If you're not a part of our Sunday school uh, time, I would invite any of you who are adults to join us right here in this room. Uh, we meet at 9:30. On Sunday mornings, and kind of a recurring theme, if you will, that we've been doing. We're, we're basically going through Old Testament books of the Bible. If it's a short enough book, we take it in one day uh, and just do a quick overview. If it's a longer book, we might break it up into two or three times. But at any rate, we ask ourselves a set of questions when we go through these books. And one of the questions that we ask ourselves as we think about, you know, in context of living on mission for Jesus is we ask ourselves who the main characters are in the book. And a recurring theme, and all of you who've been here with us in Sunday school up to this time, know one of the things that no matter who's teaching, and there's a variety of teachers, but they'll always say, no matter what book it is, the main actor in our story, in our book today, is God. And the same is true here. The main actor, if you will, in this little drama in Acts chapter 10 with Peter and Cornelius is God. If you look at, let's buzz through the verses real quick because I've got them real quick right here. I'm going to go through them. Verse 3, okay. An angel of God came to Cornelius. Verse 13, a voice came to Peter and said, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Verse 16, this happened three times. It's a constant. He's going over and over again speaking to Peter. Verse 19, while Peter's thinking about the vision, the Spirit is finally identified here. In verse 19, the Holy Spirit of God said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. And then, of course, we have the context of Peter's message in the end of the chapter where he just recounts what God has been doing through Jesus Christ. This is God's act. So, how do I live on mission for Jesus, if I may be so bold? In context of Acts chapter 10, how do I live on mission with Jesus? Might be another way of looking at that because Jesus is on mission. God is on mission and our role is to simply join him. My time is passed, so I'm going to try to sum up as best I could. Hardest part for me in preaching a sermon, narrowing down. I got lots of stuff I could say narrow it down. Janet already said in Sunday school, you don't talk fast, we won't get out in time. I heard you, Janet. You weren't talking to me at that moment, but I heard you. If you're a Peter, if you're a Peter here today, out there today, I hope that you will see that this pattern is one that should be a part of our life. And if it's not yet, be encouraged. There was a time when it wasn't part of Peter's life either you got to start sometime. Well, guess what? Today's a great day to start. And start here. Pray. And don't just talk to God. Listen. Let Him tell you what He wants you to do. You know, I've been guilty in my past, and I know I've done a lot of confessing. They say confession's good for the soul. I should be really good after this. I've done a lot of times in my past where I'm wanting God to show me this big thing that He wants me to do. But frankly, I'm not doing the little things that he wants me to do, the things that I know his word already tells me to do. And I realize right now, some of you, that kind of stung a little bit. I felt that too. That that hurt just a little bit. Even that, that, that kind of tasted bitter coming out of my mouth just then. So when we think about obeying, obey what he's already told you to do. Now, do you have to be perfect? No, can't be, but obey. And then when the time comes and the opportunity presents itself, relay. And if you're a Cornelius today, I hope that some of what I've said has made sense. My genuine prayer is that, Holy Spirit, if there's something that I haven't said that I should have, that you'll fill it in. And if I said something I shouldn't have, that you'll take it right out of their ears. But if you're a Cornelius here today, I want you to see that the way you come to Jesus is by praying And acknowledging to him where you are and obeying in faith and going to somebody and relaying it to them who is a Peter who can then help you understand because nobody comes to Christ apart from the word of God and the people of God. Peter and Cornelius had to intersect in order for Cornelius to become a true believer. It wasn't going to happen in another way because that's God's ordained plan. And the same is true for us today. So if you're a Cornelius and you're sitting here today, I want you to know that after the service, I want to make myself available. And I know there are many others who would also be willing to be the Peter for you. And listen, as you relay what's going on in your life, and let us relay the gospel message to you. And don't put it off. Don't put it off. Be like Cornelius. Obey immediately. All right. I'm going to finish up with this. And then I'm done with my message And then the singers will come back up and lead us again. And um, we'll, at the end of our service today, have a time of communion. So we have that to look forward to as well. But let me finish up with this. How many Ball State alumni do I have in the congregation this morning? I know there's some of you out there. Put your hands up. Yep. My wife and I have a son, Grant, who is currently a freshman at Ball State. And we went there yesterday to watch them lose their ball game. No, we didn't go there to watch that, but they did lose. We went there to watch Grant and the band and they did a great job and the ball team, I think did a, yeah, they were okay. (laughs) They're not Alabama. Let's just put it that way. They got a way to go. Um, But as part of our experience there, pre-game, we get to watch this show and we also heard it at the end of the game, um, the band sings, the alma mater. And the alma mater sounds awfully close to a hymn that I had already been thinking of sharing. And I took that as I was listening to God at that moment when the band started playing. I said, okay, Lord, I got you. I'm going to share this one with the congregation. And some of you know this hymn. It's called Living for Jesus. Now, you'll have to forgive me because the truth is I'm not sure that I can pull everything entirely out of memory bank. But it says something like this. Living for Jesus a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do. And I'm forgetting the next line. Anybody else got it? I might have to sing it for you because I don't know that I'll pull it out any other way. So forgive me. I don't even know if I'll sing it right. That's okay. I've already confessed lots of things. I can confess it sometimes I can botch a tune too. Living for Jesus a life that is true. Striving to please him in all that I do. Yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway, a blessing for me. And it goes on and it says, to Jesus. In that part, you're not talking to Jesus, but the chorus says, O oh, Jesus, Lord, and Master. When I think about obeying, <laughs> Jesus, Lord, and Master, I give my life to thee for thou in thine atonement, what we're going to celebrate here in communion, didst give thyself for me. I own no other master. What a beautiful, beautiful reminder of what a life lived on mission should be about.